What up? This is Dart Adams. This is episode 83 of Dart Against Humanity. Uh, something interesting happened. Uh, I discovered that all the posts that I do on Facebook for Dart Against Humanity uh, have been deemed spam. I have all, all the podcast distributors, all 40 plus podcast distributors that I have on um, Dart Against Humanity. And I take those posts, I, I post them, and then I edit them, and I take them, copy and paste them, and post them on um, t- Twitter. Both my Twitter accounts. And Facebook deems that as spam, even though I've been doing it since April 22nd, 2018. So it took all of them down at the same time. Kept up the smart URL ones, but the ones where I have the individual... um links to each podcast distributor took them all down so i really have no reason to use facebook anymore only reason i use facebook is for that to copy and paste to twitter or to find out people's birthdays and now i just it's beautiful because now i pretty much is, is no reason for me to not delete my facebook that being the case the real reason that today's episode is occurring is because it is now June 19th, June 19th, 1990 was the date that Eric B. and Rakim released their third LP, Let the Rhythm Hit Him. What I'm holding in my hand right now is uh, Eric B. and Rakim's Let the Rhythm Hit Him on MCA, flipping it over, produced by Eric B. and Rakim, it says, um, although we know that they uh, enlisted help from Paul C. Paul C. passed away during the making of this album early on. And so they uh, kind of enlisted the help of his protege, Large Professor, to finish the music that he started. Although it's been um, noted that several of the songs that he finished, you know, he started and there are songs that they'd already made with Paul C. You know, that ended up being on this album. Now, what is it about this particular album? The first album, of course, Paid in Full. Paid in Full is considered a classic. Coming off Eric B. is president and, um, you know, Move the Crowd and all these other songs. The first singles were on Zakia as Eric B featuring Rakim. Then they moved to Fourth and Broadway. And they record the album Paid in Full. 87. Summer 88, they released their sophomore album, Follow the Leader, which is a pronounced step up. And it's a huge album considering that when it was released in summer 1988, that was arguably one of the most competitive summers in rap music history. They released that album around the same time uh, Stetsasonic had released Paid in Full. I mean, uh, In Full Gear. They released that album around the same time um, Public Enemy released It Takes a Nation of Millions to Hold Us Back. They released an album around the same time. Salt and Pepper dropped Assault with a Deadly Pepper uh, a month after 
MC Light releases um, Light is a Rock and Audio 2 releases, you know, their debut album. Uh, top Billing, the one with Top Billing on it. Um, there's a stretch of great albums that were released during that summer. And they are right there in the thick of it. And they release an album that competes with all of them. It's insane when you think about it. So they have to stay ahead of the curve. And they release an album at the... um. In the spring of spring, summer, you know, coming into uh, 1990, where it's a it's a new era. You know, we've ent- we've come out of the golden era. And now we're in a new space. We're into the space where pop rap is starting to happen. And Eric B and Rakim are still sticking to the tried and true methods from before. Now, why is this album a big deal? Well, here's the thing, right? On previous R.B. and Rakim records, they had multiple songs for Eric B. So, typically, when you had a group that was, you know, the DJ and the MC, the DJ's a draw. It's GJ, Jazzy Jeff, and the Fresh Prince. People listen to Fresh Prince, but they're there for DJ Jazzy Jeff. Okay? Cash Money and Marvelous. Marvelous is good, but people are there for cash money. Okay? That's just a fact. A dynamic changes with Eric B and Rakim. Even though Eric B is the guy that people know, and he was the guy with the cachet, People were there for Rock Him. Okay? And then this bleeds over into um, Cool G Rap and DJ Polo. Nobody was there for Polo's scratches. Nobody was there for Polo's beats. It was all about what Cool G Rap was doing lyrically and what Marley Maul was doing on the boards. Okay, this is a key difference. So the first two albums by Eric B and Rakim, they're still trying is still trying to Eric B is is trying to, you know, get his thing on. The first album we have um, Chinese arithmetic. Eric B is on the cut. And then you got the bonus beat at the end. So you have the tracks, but you have like three songs that are almost filler. Because you really want to hear Eric. I mean, you really want to hear Rakim as opposed to Eric B. The second album, you got beats for the listeners. You got another joint. You got another joint. So you got still three songs or three instrumentals or whatever in there. And you just want to hear rock him rhyme where uh, let the rhythm hit him changes things up is it's pretty much all rock him with the exception of um Eric B made my day 
Now, let's talk about this. When you look at Let the Rhythm Hit Him, yes, that was the cassette that just hit the floor. I just took it out the case and it falls and hits the floor. Amazing. So here's the thing about um this album, right? The album comes out June 19th, 1990. Uh, but there was a movie, of course, you know, that came out March 9th, 1990 called House Party. House Party had a soundtrack. Now, House Party comes out so early that this is before people realized that, hey, we're supposed to go out and buy the soundtrack. You know, we're supposed to go out and make the soundtrack go gold. The movie's a hit. The soundtrack should be a hit, too. People hadn't caught on yet. This didn't happen with um a previous movie, the Spike Lee film, um, Do the Right Thing. The film hit. The soundtrack has several hits on it. The soundtrack does not blow up. The soundtrack doesn't even go gold. I mean, it's interesting, right? You have Fight the Power. Fight the Power doesn't even go gold. You have the Perry song on there. That's a hit. You have Guys, My Fantasy. But the soundtrack doesn't blow up, right? House Party, the soundtrack should have blown up. It had multiple hits on it. You know, um, you had Why You Get Funky On Me, you went to the Break of Dawn, you know, Shake It Up by the Jamaica Boys. Like this soundtrack should have blown up. It didn't. Now, a song that's featured in the film and not on the soundtrack, Eric B. and Rakim's Run For Cover. If you watched House Party, you know the scene where you hear Run For Cover. They're dancing to it at the party. It's going for a while, and you're like, yo, that's a new Eric B. and Rakim song. They don't release a promo of it. There's no promo of it. You hear it when you go, you go to the uh, film, you go to the, uh, the, the theater, you hear it. You rent it, you hear it. You don't see a promo, you don't hear it, they don't play it on the radio. It's really weird, because at the same time, uh, Public Enemy... Gave them the opportunity to use I Can't Do Nothing For You Man by Flavor Flav before their album Fear of a Black Planet comes out. Now, mind you, the soundtrack is on a completely different label than they are. All right. This soundtrack, I believe it came out on Motown. Motown has no affiliation with Def Jam. And Public Enemy gives them the opportunity to use this song, put it on the soundtrack and the album comes out, you know, I think a lot of it had to do with the fact the film comes out March 9th. That album, Favorite Black Planet, came out April 10th. Uh, Eric B. and Rakim knew that the album wasn't going to be coming out till June. So they were like, we don't want to give you this song, put it on the soundtrack and promote it before we release the lead single for our album in May. Which I don't get. It could have only helped. Now, also keep in mind that the previous year before, Eric B. and Rakim were riding a high of being one of the first uh, huge successful uh, rap features on a R&B song that crosses over and goes pop. That is uh, Jody Watley's Friends. Uh, they were label mates. 
when I wrote a piece about this song um, and several other songs, uh, I believe a couple of years ago, Jody Watley pointed out that she wanted Eric B and Rakim to be on the song and she had to push the label to do it. And she wasn't even really uh, aware that they were label mates because I wrote label mates as in because the whole piece was pretty much about it was people, A&Rs and executives at labels who were seeing that older black music artists weren't getting the push or the traction that they used to because the sound of black music was changing to more um, New Jack Swing-esque sound as opposed to the traditional sound of R&B people were used to. So they made them collaborate with rappers from 1988 until 1990. And on 1989-90... It was younger artists who reached out to the MCs already because they were friends with them. All right. And that happens. Eric B and Rakim's feature friends with uh, Jody Watley crosses over, crosses over. The song's huge. The video's played on MTV all the time. It's all always on BET. It's on pop radio, top 40 radio. So they're like, yo, we're going to ride this into the next album. Although some people were disappointed. But, you know, the song was still huge. The song was dope. It is what it is. And they bring in Paul C for the album. Paul C is murdered. So they, of course, have to replace him with Large, uh, Large Professor. They go into the album. So no run for cover promo, none of that. No single, nothing. We get into let the rhythm hit him. Let the rhythm hit him drops. I believe late May nineteen ninety. Uh, hits radio. The video hits um Yo MTV raps and BT's Rap City. Starts blowing up. The single starts blowing up. It gets added to different radio stations. Now, it was a chore to get a rap single added at multiple black radio stations when it first came out. It, was a, it wasn't a hard sell for an um, R&B song. For a rap song, it was much harder, especially a song as hard and up-tempo and as lyrical and as aggressive as Let the Rhythm Hit Him is, I got the awesomeness. Some other takes his lyrics and ammo. My name's Rhythm. I'm a given piano. Bring a bulletproof vest when. Like, Rakim is not um, along the same line as the songs that blew up on black radio that were rap. Think of Wild Thing. Think of uh, Funky Cold Medina. Think of Bust the Move. Think of Me, Myself, and I. You know? Think of the Humpty Dance. Think of Expression by Salt and Pepper. This is not that. This is some hard shit. The sample, the instrumentation, the tone, it's all hard. You know, like LL Cool J's Bad was a hard song. God, God. No rapper can rap, but that's 1987. Where is 1990? 
it's a different world where you come from. So this song starts blowing up, starts doing well. It enters not only the black singles charts, and it ends up big on the um the dance charts in terms of um single sales. It runs up the rap charts, the rap singles charts, like flies up the charts. And this is a highly competitive time for rap singles. So they're looking like, oh, we we got some traction. This is looking good. Um, the album finally drops. June 19th, 1990. Starts flying off shelves immediately. Okay? Now, to give you an idea of the landscape... June 1990, and Living Color has been on the air, blowing up. Arsenio Hall Show has been on the air, gaining just more and more steam. Uh, they've announced that Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince have a show coming on NBC. It's going to be called The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, produced by um, none other than Quincy Jones and Benny Medina. Cole Medina. Um, they've also announced that MC Hammer has his own cartoon, which is going into production and will begin airing the following season on Saturday morning. And on top of that, Kid and Play also have their own cartoon going into production that will begin airing on Saturday mornings. Around the same time. And they're shooting live action segments for it. They're getting their own Saturday morning shows. Okay. And out of House Party. Kid and Play are also about to get a multi-picture deal. You understand. Mellow Mayonnaise's Menterosa is shooting up the charts. He's about to be on the Arsenio Hall show soon. MC Hammer's You Can't Touch This is destroying the charts. Ice Cube is out here murdering the Billboard charts, the Rap Singles charts, without a video. Okay, to give you an idea of what's going on. X-Clan just dropped. Poor Righteous Teachers just dropped. Whole bunch of shit's going on. Things are hot. So, Eric and Rockham dropped their new album. Looking at the cassette tape. It opens with the single, Let the Rhythm Hit Him. Then goes into No Omega. In the Ghetto, which ends up a single later. Step Back. Eric B. Made My Day. The End of Side One. The one Eric B. contribution. Then we go straight into Run For Cover, which is the song we all heard in House Party to open the side, second side. Then we go into Untouchables. Mahogany. The crazy thing about Mahogany is Mahogany is regarded as one of the dopest 
uh, rap love songs. It's really mellow. Rakim doesn't force anything. Um, it's easily one of the best songs of his career. Uh, keep him eager to listen and set him straight. Now, the thing is that this album sounds effortless. Understand what I'm saying? It sounds effortless. But also, Rakim shows his versatility. He does the hard, up-tempo rhymes. He does the smooth, mellow shit. He does the um, the song for the ladies. He gives you so many different flows, so many different um, uh, themes. Uh, he he he's able to switch up the cadence. He's able to do so many different things on this album, but he does it so effortlessly that, you know, people sometimes take it for granted. Now, I just told you what it's like on the cassette. I also have the vinyl. It works a little different because the vinyl comes in four sides, right? So side one is let the rhythm hit them in the Omega. Side two is in the ghetto and step back. So Eric B made my day, which ends the first side on the cassette, opens side three on the vinyl. So it's Eric B made my day, run for cover and untouchables. And then it ends with mahogany, keep them eager to listen and set them straight. Now, one of the things that heightens or can hinder the experience of listening to an album is how you hear it when it's sequenced. It's very important that you look at the sequencing of this album. Nothing is more important than having Eric B. Made My Day be the last song on side B, I mean on side A, open with the single Let the Rhythm Hit Him, which was still hot at the time and remained hot going into August. Um, leading off side B with Run For Cover, the song people heard for months on House Party. And when they start running the movie, they hear it again. But they didn't have a single. They didn't have a way to listen to it. It wasn't on the radio. So you only hear part of it. That and the thing is that this was a Paul C. production. huge right so that's another thing that heightened people's um expectations for the albums people loved the album when it first came out one of the things that uh switched things up was at the time the source exists the source reviews this album along with a bunch of other albums including um for some odd reason a Tribe Called Quest album, which dropped months earlier. Uh, they review... Uh, you have... Uh, the cover is Ice Cube. So they review this album, and it's interesting because they give it five out of five. 
So if you give something a five out of five, you fully expect to read the review and the review is glowing, right? Just glowing. Here's the weird part. The review in the source mentions the album sounds like it was made in 1988, partly. The review also talks about how pedestrian Eric B's scratches are. Then it says, oh, but it's a perfect album. What? How did that happen? Eric B is minimized. And it's all about Rock Him. Okay? They just kept handing the rock to Raw. Handing the rock to Raw. And they just let everybody block. Just let people block. Just let people block. And the thing is that when you read the reviews from people, it's clear that maybe rock journalists aren't the best people to be reviewing rap going forward because they say some things that make you go, um, why did you get this assignment? Like there's a review that says that Eric B and Rock him. Uh, dope now with this album, but they could be headed for dinosaur for dinosaurdom, pretty much. And you're like, wait, what? So they made an excellent album, a great album, maybe the best album of their career, but it might be a rap for them. That doesn't make sense. It just doesn't. And it's weird because it's like. We're coming off of De La Soul, Three Feet High and Rising. And we just heard Public Enemy's Fear of a Black Planet. But for some odd reason, people are under the impression that rap might not be this going forward anymore. And I think a lot of it has to do with the nature of um, black music changing over time. Because they are like, at some point, it might be over for them. Like the clock is ticking or it's over for like Run DMC or a Houdini. And I don't think that I, I think that a lot of them didn't understand it. It wasn't the same for everybody. You know, like some artists from the old school era, you knew that, yeah, we're not going to be hearing from Busy B too much anymore. Or Spoonie G might not be the guy in front going forward, but that's not going to be the case for a cool mode D, you know. And while you have people that are leading the pack, like. Curtis Blow, who's the king of rap between 1980 and 85. You know, from 86, 87, 88, Curtis Blow's on the way out. You know? Run DMC, who are the kings from Queens, when we get to 86 and they drop Raising Hell. When we get to 88 and they drop Tougher Than Leather, you're already looking around at the rap landscape like, um, guys... Uh, we got 
Public Enemy over there. We got Stetsasonic over here. You know, I'm listening to y'all album. Uh, Ultramagnetic MCs is coming out. You know, I heard JVC Force. Um, I don't know how y'all gonna hang. I just heard that Airbnb Rakim album and, um, I don't know how how much longer we gonna be is we gonna be talking about um Run DMC going forward because the game's about to change dramatically, and it did. So we listened to this album, and it's less fluff. It's just more Rock him doing his thing. The lyrics. The ferocity, the flow, the intensity, the meter, the internal rhymes, and the feel of the album at the time it dropped in summer 1990, opening summer 1990. Just let everybody know, yo, we're here. Now, to keep this in mind, Eric and Rakim dropped this album. Right as MC Hammer is number one. I'm not talking about number one in the black music charts. Number one in uh, hot black albums. He's number one, period. Something happens with uh, MC Hammer that hadn't happened before. Now, let me just make this clear. A rap album had topped the Billboard 200 or the top pop albums by this time before it happened. The Beastie Boys occupied the spot. Another album has occupied the spot. Here's the difference. When the Beastie Boys were the number one album in all of music, a rap album was number one in all of music. One, they were white. And two, they only held the position for a week because the next week they lost it to U2's The Joshua Tree. And never got it back. Here's what MC Hammer did. MC Hammer. Took the number one spot. Held it for multiple weeks. In a row. Maybe like three or four weeks in a row. Then. New Kids on the Block come out with their new album. Step by Step. They take the number one spot from Hammer. Hammer takes it right back the next week. Never happened before. Never happened before. This is before the sound scan era. That comes uh, early 91. This is summer 1990. And you're like, wait a second, what? MC Hammer just retook the top spot from a pop album by a boy band? What the fuck is going on? And people start panicking around this time. They write, you write articles, you see articles written in different publications. There's a little blurb written about it in, in Billboard. But this is when Eric B and Rakim released their album. Everything's turning. Also, what we don't realize is that Vanilla Ice is about to drop on SBK. Vanilla Ice opened for MC Hammer on his tour with Old Town 357. Let's not forget that. So um 
they repackaged his album, which was called Hooked. And they turned it into To The Extreme. They release Ice Ice Baby. Ice Ice Baby blows the fuck up. This is when MC Hammer and Vanilla Ice dominate the Billboard charts and the charts in general. And a whole bunch of pop rap singles start blowing up. Candyman comes out. He has knocking boots. You know, that drops. Mentorosa is, is, is flying up the charts. So people have figured it out. We can make the rap song or the rap album that does numbers and appeals to multiple demographics. And it's not a fluke. We can do it again and again and again and again and again and again and again. And this is the landscape that Ice Cube, Eric B and Rakim exist in. Now, you know, and the game has changed forever and nobody knows what it means. No one knows what it's going to mean for rap going forward, because before you didn't have to worry about record labels trying to put the pressure on you to do certain kind of numbers or perform a certain way or do certain things. Tommy Boy was not trying to get um, Queen Latifah to do crossover material. However, when you turn around, you see what's going on with Salt and Pepper, and you see what's happened with Kid and Play, and you see how you got Ice Cube out here doing all these things, and MC Shan pretty much sold out to go to Hollywood. You're like, um, so. Dana, uh, coming to my house did numbers. You know what I'm saying? People talking about you on Nickelodeon TV shows and shit like that. Um, you just went to Hollywood to shoot um a, a, a episode with a a Fresh Prince of Bel Air. You got called by Spike Lee to do a bit part. You know, you 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 doing you did another bit part in a in another movie Juice. You know, we need to capitalize off all this. This is when Eric B and Rakim come out with what's their best album. Rap is changing. The landscape is changing. Now, you're probably wondering, how come I'm not playing any songs or anything like that? Well, here's the thing. I was told months ago last season that a lot of podcasts that were music based on... um. Anchor were getting removed from Anchor and getting yanked off certain things. So I don't play music on my podcast. But what I also do is I write about music and about these things. So I have a piece, a 30th anniversary retrospective about, you know, Eric B and Rakim's album, Let the Rhythm Hit Him, which will be out today, today, June 19th. I'll send you all the link and everything. Now, I look at this cover and I see Rakim standing next to Eric B. Eric B, a mountain of a man. (sighs) 
May you rest in everlasting peace, William Griffin and Paul C. I remember opening up the cassette when I first got it, listening to the album, and looking inside the insert and seeing Paul C. And I'm like, oh, what did Paul C. Paul C. was engineering on this album? Like, what did Paul C. do for... Oh, he was down with the crew or whatever? And I'm looking at the engineers. Patrick Adams, Anton Pushkansky, who normally worked with them, Tony A. and Tony P. in New York, Ralph Sutton and Brian Schabel in Hollywood, Assistant Engineers, Laser Mike Rhodes in New York, and Randy Wine in Hollywood, mastered by Carlton Batts at Frankfurt Wayne. And I'm like, wait, what? So, Paul C., what was Paul C.'s involvement? I understand why, you know, Steezo and everybody else was, you know, and then later on, I got it. Oh, shit. Paul C. was involved in making songs on this album. And then I heard the story. So, of course, I had to figure out, like, yo, what did he work on? You know, like, what, when, when did they start the album? When was the album finished? Because you have to remember that Run For Cover was done and ready. And the film had to be done before, let's say, 1990 to be ready to go to theaters March 9th, 1990. So that means that that song was already done in 1989. And Paul C. W was murdered in July, 19, in July 1989, okay? So they'd already done that song, which kind of lends to why people were talking about this. Some of this album sounds like it was made in 1988. But um, when you listen to the album, like I've gone back and forth with people, it turns out that... Uh, Paul C. was involved in making Run For Cover, uh, Keep Me Get A Listen, Set Em Straight, Untouchables, and he was involved in Let The Rhythm Hit Him, which he probably produced with Rakim, and Rakim, uh, Rakim, um, Produced No Omega, but Paul C gave him the sample um source. But that means Lars Professor um finished the rest of the album. Now the crazy part about this is that um his work on this album got him more work because, again, Coogee Rap and DJ Polo had their album Wanted Dead or Alive coming out. So Large Professor ends up getting that gig. And that album turns out to be a classic. And again, it drops in the same rap landscape. So you come out of 1990 and you come into 1991 and it's a completely different rap world. So Eric B and Rakim and Ice Cube and all these guys were getting it in right before everything was about to change. Poor Righteous Teachers rock this funky joint. It's climbing up the charts. 
uh, D Nice's My Name is D Nice. It's climbing up the charts as they're on their way up and they're experiencing their high. Uh, the album goes gold. It doesn't go further than gold. Um, they don't have another hit single from this album. As dope as Mahogany is. Mahogany didn't have a video. The Ghetto has a video. The Ghetto has a video with Rudy Ray Moore in it, Dolomite. Um, it doesn't blow up. It's slow. Planet Earth is my place of birth. You know, born to be sole controller of the universe. Like, it's really dense and deep. And it's a thinker as opposed to let the rhythm hit him where when that song came on, it was in the summer and you just be at the function or whatever and hear, wow, 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 oh shit. Ugh. And you go grab your boys who are wearing similar outfits and you start doing the dance routine that y'all practiced in a space that you coordinated that you were going to come and perform and practice through certain songs, certain routines. So when you went to the joint, you were like, oh, all the girls going to be sweating us when we do this shit. Kick. That's me on uh, um, in my living room. So, all right, now you go to the knees. You do the pull thing, the pull thing. And then we get up on the third joint. And then like, we do the shoulder joint, shoulder. Uh, Nah, man, nah, you're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong because we're gonna go to we're all going the same direction. So we do this, this. You know, like you had to have your routines ready for certain songs, and you had to pick your know, which songs are we gonna go off on. And then the thing is that sometimes you couldn't go all the time. You had to know we're not gonna go on this song. We're gonna go on this song, and that's a lot of some beefs could have jumped off because. You got two crews are trying to do shit to the same song. So now you're going to be like one on one side, one on the other side. And then sometimes motherfuckers have to battle. Which is what happens in House Party. Interesting, right? Ain't my type of hype. Well, that being the case, man. It's crazy when I think about 30 years, 30 years ago, I was 14. I turned 15 in another couple of months. Hearing this album, playing it, this is the same cassette tape I bought. And it's funny because the MCA records on the side A is is faded off. The B on Step Back is faded the M on Eric B made my days faded. Um, side two is pretty much pristine, which is weird because I played Run for Cover, Untouchables, Mahogany, Keep it Eager Listen, set them straight, straight through. There was no fast forwards on side B. And on Eric B and Rockham albums, I used to fast forward or rewind the Eric B songs. Because I wanted to get back to why I came. Like, I didn't listen to the bonus beats. Why would I listen to the bonus beat? Why do I need the instrumental? So I could try to rap like Rakim and fail? 
No, if anything, that you could have put that on the single so we could just have something to dance to. But like that need to be on the album. And this album, they were like, ah, fuck it. Just give us all Rakim. And also you think about the final album that they did. There's no Eric B song. You know, sweat the technique because you didn't do that anymore. People didn't do the DJ song anymore. 1992 when they released their final album that just wasn't a thing and you think about Eric B and Rakim 1992 Don't Sweat the Technique dope album Rakim shows off his versatility again um, kind of like he did on this album but the fucking landscape of rap was so different that even though it was just all Rakim all the time was not going to be a five mic album like this one was. And it's crazy when you think about the other five mic album in that review was A Tribe Called Quest, People's Instinctive Pat, um, Travels in the Paths of Rhythm. Because I wouldn't necessarily think that's a five mic album. Like, I don't think of things I immediately fast forward, but you know, when you think about shit like ham and eggs and, you know, other stuff, it's like, you know, they had room to tighten up. So you knew they had a five in them, maybe with their next album, but maybe not with this one. But it's still a classic. So it's interesting that like in that review, those albums both got the fives because you also have to consider the time something dropped. Because if those albums both got fives, then what do you give? America's Most Wanted. And then you also have to realize that America's Most Wanted, as great a so, uh, debut album as that is, his sophomore album blew it out of the water. His sophomore album blew it out the water to the point you kind of forget about it. Like, it's a classic album that people underrate because of how great a sophomore album was. That's insane. And I feel like what happened with Eric B and Rakim is that they released the probably the best album of their career, but it's overshadowed by their classic debut, their classic sophomore album, which dropped the most, arguably the most competitive summer in rap history in summer 1988. Look up, well, here's the thing about looking up what came out summer 1988. The dates are all wrong. Jungle Brothers Straight Out the Jungle dropped in summer 1988. Just for future reference. A lot of those dates are wrong on Wikipedia. Almost all of them. So they drop a classic album. At a time where the classic albums were quite literally dropping every week. Okay. That's crucial. Then they drop this album. Right around time classic albums were dropping. Multiple classic albums were dropping per month. What dropped around this time? Um, I think some weeks before, K-Solo dropped um, Spellbound. Months before, or just like weeks, six weeks before, four to six weeks before, X-Clan drops um, To the East Blackwards. Uh, Poor Righteous Teachers drop... Um, 
Was it Pure Poverty? No, Pure Poverty was the second album, wasn't it? Maybe it was the first album. Well, Poor Right to She just dropped their first album, Holy Intellect. They dropped Holy Intellect. Um, Public Enemy, of course, dropped Fear of a Black Planet. Um, Kwame dropped A Day in the Life of Polkadelic Adventure. So you have a lot of competition, you know, and it's crazy to think about what it's like to drop a classic album and what the landscape is like versus just thinking about just the art, just the music. And Rakim was the guy. All right. That's all I got for y'all. Next week. I'm going to do something a little different. I'm going to call it Small Talk at Columbus and Yarmouth. Uh, Harkening back to the title of um, Gil Scott Heron's Small Talk at 125th Street in Lenox. All right, then. One.